Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'm your host, Stephen Lomer, and my guest this week is all about keeping it short and sweet. He's a very talented short story writer, and he's joining us today. Please welcome Matt Bechtel. Matt? Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. All right. Well, I'm going to start with your bio, but before I do, I just want to address anyone who's watching this. I understand you might be getting a little bit confused. I'm a good-looking bald guy. He's a good-looking bald guy. But I am Steven. He's Matt, okay? Steven, Matt, two good-looking bald guys, okay? And, and, and for the record, we didn't wardrobe coordinate, or else things really could have gotten bad if I'd worn a black shirt, too. That's very true. That's so very true. We so lucked out on that one. We did. Good for us. Yeah. Well done. Okay. <laughs> I am going to start with your bio. Okay. Uh, you were born just south of Detroit, Michigan, cursing you a Lions fan. Oh, sorry to hear that. It's been a rough 40 counting years. Yeah, it sure has. <laughs> uh, into a mostly Irish family of dreamers and writers, as opposed to the pharmaceutical or construction giants that share your surname. As such, you have spent most of your years making questionable life decisions and enjoying the results. You serve on the executive committee of the Northeastern Writers Conference, aka Camp Nikon and served as a partner in the Nikon eBooks digital publishing company. Your writing tends toward dark humor, satire, and has been compared to Ray Bradbury and Cormac McCarthy. You currently live in Providence, Rhode Island. Does all that check out? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so let's get, get to know you a little bit. Where do you originally hail from? Already Wyandotte, Michigan. Okay. Which is just south of Detroit, right? Right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Um, and my family moved east to New England uh, when I was six or seven, about that age. My father worked for Merrill Lynch at the time, and they wanted him closer to the New York offices. Okay. Um, and uh, I've basically been in the Northeast ever since. I was uh, spent most of my childhood in Connecticut, uh, came to Providence for uh, college, went to Providence College, mm -hmm. and uh, save a few years here and there. Um, after college, spent a little time on Cape Cod, spent a little time in upstate New York. Um, then I, I moved back to Providence in uh, fall of 2002 and have been there ever since. I just love that city. Okay. It, 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 it fits me. It All right. It fits me well. And I love the location of it because, you know, it was less than an hour and a half drive here to do this interview. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get to Boston. It's easy to get to New York. It's easy to get to Cape Cod. It's really Plugging my city here, folks. <laughs> uh, you know, Providence is great, great central location for basically anywhere you want to go in the Northeast, and it is the most underrated food city in America. We have freaking awesome restaurants. All right, and nobody knows it. Okay, so <laughs> well, people know it now. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, how far back do you recall wanting to be a writer? All the way back. Really? I remember, I mean, elementary school. No kidding. I remember this. You know, when I say I come from a family of writers, it's not just a line in the bio. Mm -hmm. um, my older brother and sister both write. Um, my mom has always written. My grandfather, I like to say I have ink in my blood. <laughs> um, he worked for the Detroit News for 50 years. Wow. So, um, and my maternal grandmother was uh, a performer. She was an actress and dancer and singer um, way back. So um, anything and everything creative was always, you know, 
encouraged isn't the wrong is is too small of a word championed mm -hmm. by my parents wow anything we did that was saying you know, my brother and sister and i used to you know we grew up in the age of like the atari 2600 we'd have all those games and we'd get tired of just playing video games so we'd set up our own versions of frogger obstacle courses throughout the house <laughs> using pillows as a lily pads that you had to jump all over and stuff and uh -huh. we're tearing furniture apart to, to make the swap <laughs> and my parents are like go go you're inventing like live action video games this is this is this is a good thing uh -huh. you know, anything we we did that that slanted to the creative um you know we'd, we'd create our own plays that we'd put on uh -huh. we'd do um and of course then then writing and, and storytelling uh was just always a huge huge part of of my house growing up nice so. excellent yeah oh, very cool um now you're a man after my own heart you write short fiction if i had my brother so would i uh what is it about the sh short fiction that draws you to it Okay, well, I have to confess I am working on my first novel. Are you? Congratulations. And I, and I keep finding reasons to pause it to write other short pieces <laughs> of short fiction. <laughs> Although there's, a, there's a, you know, a smart business decision on, a, you know, a financial aspect to that. If, you know, the old Ghostbusters, Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Uh -huh. You know, people say, could you could possibly consider contributing to it? Yes, I can. Uh-huh, uh -huh. um, <laughs> What draws me to short fiction? Um, I love the completeness of it. I love the, you know, the beginning, middle, end, you know, one sitting uh, to, to get a whole story. Nothing mm -hmm. against the novel form, mm -hmm. but that's a longer commitment. True. And you're going to have to go in and out of that. You're going to have to be interrupted by things like day jobs and sleep, mm. you know. Um, <laughs> right. Bob Booth, the, the founder of Nikon, who uh -huh. was my mentor and my second father, mm -hmm. um, always insisted the novella was the most perfect form of literature because it was one night's entertainment. Hmm. He said like a ball game or a movie or a play, it's two to three hours, one sitting, you're done. Mm -hmm. And you get that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've also always just loved everything in the arts that's minimalist. Mm -hmm. I, I've, you know, I, I can't write poetry for crap, but I love reading <laughs> it. I love haikus. Uh -huh. I, I love a lot of the, uh, uh, the, Japanese and Far Eastern artwork and uh -huh. things that are, can just do so much with so little. Uh -huh. So I, I love flash fiction. I love when you can tell an entire story in, I mean, forget 1,500, even 100 words, mm -hmm. like a drabble. I, I just think, um, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke up my own butt here, but it almost it takes a, a, even a higher level of art when you've got so little to work with and you can still tell as much. Mm -hmm. When you when it's done right, it just sings to me. Sure, sure, okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, I and this this ties in with with you with you uh, working toward a novel. I I feel and have felt. Uh, a, an enormous amount of peer pressure from the writing community to produce a novel. Have you ever felt that as, as a short story writer yes, primarily? Yes, but only in a good way. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, and okay. Yes, across the board. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I... I think this is a way that the writing community... You know, peer pressure isn't always a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I... I spent a lot of years uh, as i say tilting after the wrong windmills and i'm i'm finally 
for better or for worse, but mostly for better, I feel like I'm tilting after the right ones now. And so when people tell me, hey, I read your collection and I love them. Are you going to do something longer? I'd love to see a novel from you. It's just the encouragement to, to do you feel pressure? Of course. Mm -hmm. But I like that pressure. Okay. I, I like... I, 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 yeah, I, I like that there are people who want to see more from me, and I, and I want to try to deliver it. Okay, excellent, nice. Um, you've contributed quite a few stories to anthologies, including uh, a past one that benefited the Jimmy Fund, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, and a forthcoming one that benefits the American Civil Liberties Union. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about those and how those opportunities came up. I have to backtrack a little bit. I actually sure. don't have a piece of fiction in the Jimmy Fund Anthology. The Jimmy okay. Fund Anthology is titled um, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Mm -hmm. um, it was published by Nikon eBooks. Um, it was actually the last original title we did before the company merged with Crossroad Press. Okay. Um, but it is still available, of course, that title on Amazon, and you can link to it. There's a link on every page of the Nikon website, www.campnikon.com. Again, 100% of proceeds. Yes, I'm finally breaking the fourth wall here. 100% of proceeds to the Jimmy Fund. And I'm assuming I don't have to explain what the Jimmy Fund is because I we're seeing it. Anyone who's seen a Red Sox game, you know what the Jimmy Fund is. Um, so I was publisher for that one that was edited by P.D. Kasich and Laura J. Hickman, who's sitting across the room from us because she kindly gave me a write-up this afternoon. <laughs> and it is a clutch, is an anthology of horror bedtime stories. Okay. That, of course, when it's the Jimmy Fund is the Pediatric, pediatric cancer research arm of Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Uh -huh. um, so I published that and I wrote the afterword for it because when Trish and Laura sent me their suggested table of contents at the end it said afterward by Matt Bechtel and I said oh gee I guess I'm writing something. <laughs> so that's that's my role with with that anthology. Okay. The ACLU one is um, still forthcoming. Mm -hmm. um, it has the title "How All This Ends." Okay. And it is um, dystopian stories of what could happen, will happen, um, if the current presidential administration is not resisted. I see. At the same token, the call even express, expressly says, "But we want a glimmer of hope." We don't just want gloom and doom. Mm -hmm. We want something that is, you know, still at the end hopeful, not just depressing. And the the way the call said it was you could, you know, attack any topic you wanted to, any uh, any issue, any uh, anything that, uh, you know, means a lot to you, bothers you, anything that scares you in mm -hmm. the in the political climate of today and um boy was that a long list to choose from <laughs> uh, i i wound up writing a story about education in the a time of alternative facts ah wow there's so a challenge right there yes yeah, so it's from the it's from the point of view of a of a first grade teacher uh -huh. and about i obviously i don't want to give away the whole story right but it's even like how how do you it's, there's a line in there about like no she doesn't grade papers anymore she only marks them because you know any answer could be right there's, there's no right or wrong anymore so. right right 
Okay, excellent. Wow. And of, of course, uh, yeah, I, I believe in the ACLU. <laughs> I, I am a big First Amendment junkie. Okay. As I think all writers need to be. Sure. All creative people, all people need to be, mm-hmm. but especially those who work in the creative fields. Very true. Because, you know, any form of censorship, it's ask not for whom the bell tolls. Right. You know, it tolls for thee. Very so. true. Yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, well, you're a creative person. I'd expect you to. Yeah, well, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to think I am anyway. <laughs> That's a matter for an, another discussion. You have a lot of irons in the fire. You do web design, graphic design, book trailers, posters, media kits. Uh, do you have any leisure time? And, and what do you do with it? I'm here. <laughs> this and is how I, you spend your leisure I'm time? Here and on I... Tell me about your damn book. <laughs> That's fine. It's no, a fine answer. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. First off, first off, no, this isn't leisure time, and we're expensing the gas from driving up here. This counts as work time. Um, no, I I do spend time with my friends and family, of course. I, uh, as I said, Crystal Lions fan. I'm 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 a sports junkie. Okay. I will I will enjoy. You know, especially watching sports with my dad. That's a good de-stressor. Sure. Um, I, at least recently, have gotten back on the horse of running a lot, which I I like on a lot of levels. Um, not just, uh, you know, my physical health, which is a, a, a good thing, but um, mental and creative health. Um, I write a whole lot when I'm out on my runs because even with the iPod, after a certain amount, it just gets freaking boring. Mm-hmm. And you wind and invariably my mind starts looking to distract and entertain itself. And the next thing I know, I'm into that story that I've been struggling with and also I'm like oh crap there's the line that gets me where I need to go so I'm and it actually works that way with work projects too if I'm like struggling creatively to get a website working the right way and why aren't the pieces fitting I, I get out for a run and I find myself going, oh you haven't tried them in this order yet and it will um this is not just some sort of like you know crazy crossfitter coach everyone needs to work out type of plug but um i i cannot recommend it highly enough if you're if you're struggling in your own head get out of your head and use the rest of your body Hmm. and sometimes your head will catch up nice okay and yes i do enjoy my adult beverages (laughs) Um, i said that providence is a great food city it's also a great drinking city we got a lot of good bars (laughs) there's some serious civic pride going on i like it hells yeah nice nice well, as you know, we have a gimmick on the show that we are contractually obligated to live up to. Okay. So, Matt Bechtel. Tell me about your damn book. My damn book is titled <laughs> Monochromes and Other Stories, and it is my first collection of original short fiction published by Haverhill House Publishing. Okay. Um, it is not a themed collection. It is an eclectic mix of 20 short stories, some of them very short. Like, there are a couple of hundred-word flash pieces mixed in there. Right. Um, the, frankly, the oldest of which uh, goes all the way back to my senior year of college, 1999, uh, won a fiction collection at Providence College. No uh, kidding. All the way back there. Uh, funny, I entered it in the short, in the short story category, and they decided it was shorter than all the other short stories they had received, and so they, they changed it and called it a prose poem for whatever reason. It's 
if you read the book, it's before parachutes. It's like six pages long. <laughs> but I guess everybody else had sent 20 pages, so they they decided to sneak it in there and give me an award under a, a different banner for what who knows huh. you know i won't look a gift horse <laughs> in the mouth but, no certainly not um but yeah and it's so i mean a lot of them are i mean some of them are very very new um a handful of them had been published in other other places but most i think 13 out of the 20 uh were were first-time publications wow nice um and and the the reaction's been more than i ever could have hoped for yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is going to blow it because someone's going to be like, "Oh well, screw him," and go in and give me a one star review. Um, <laughs> that would I'm, never happen. No, oh, one, no, no, not no on one the ever internet. Does no that. one on no. the internet does nope. that. Nope. Um, I'm I'm batting a hundred. I got all five star reviews on. Nice. So nice. And I think I'm up to about twenty. So that's excellent. Um, I'm 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 real happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what's next for you? You you mentioned the novel. I'm so working on yes, working on my first novel, which in my uh, in my grand tradition of doing everything in my life back asswards, <laughs> I actually wrote a screenplay, and um, I've had a few people read it, and um, they all really liked it, including one uh, filmmaker, uh, Izzy Lee, who I, I adore her. She's an incredibly talented director, mm-hmm. and all the feedback I got was pretty unanimous. It's a great story and a lousy movie. <laughs> they, they said no. They said you, you know, like, like it's, you know, because well, they're like, well, what you know, I, I had to obviously, you know, you, you write a. 120, 150 page screenplay, no one's going to look at it. So it's like, okay, I got to do this in 104 pages. And there was a lot of background that I was just like, well, we'll just cut that out. It really needed to be in there. Mm-hmm. But the the strength of the story were the main characters and one in particular, the, the main protagonist, and a lot of it is happening in, in his own head. And you can't do that in dialogue. And, I, and so it's... Um, it, it, it needed. It needs to be a novel. It needs to be fleshed out into a full prose narrative. Okay. And so that's my that's my big picture uh, project. Um, I'm also, in fact, I have to finish because I have a June first deadline. Um, working on a short story, I was asked to contribute a story to uh, an anthology. I'm not allowed to talk about yet. All right. Um, so I will just kind of do the. Uh, YouTube version here of vague booking. Okay. And say um, it, the vague tubing. Vague tubing. Thank you. <laughs> um, the anthology is being edited by two authors who I just have so much respect and admiration for, and um, it's being published by a publishing house that's literally on my bucket list. So when they reached out to me and said, "Could you contribute the story?" I couldn't say yes fast enough. Wow. Um, but I'm also finishing up my second short story collection that Haverhill House is going to be putting out. Okay. And I have a couple more two uh, stories to, to finish up for this. I'm really excited about this. It's a themed collection. We had to go through some hoops to make sure everything was okay with, with this. But um, the title of the collection is going to be Bleed Between the Lines. These are short stories based on the songs on the album Blood on the Tracks. Wow. And... Uh, Hopefully, um, maybe by the end of this year, but in all likelihood, we're looking 2019. Okay. If, if that if that somehow pops up before New Year's, I'll be the most thrilled person in the world. There's, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because these these stories, I should say this up front, because this is part of the, you know, Bob Dylan does not endorse or, or, you know, this project. (laughs) They have taken the hands off of, you know, as long as you make it clear, don't advertise in his name or imply his endorsement in any way, and don't quote any of his lyrics, you're free to publish your work. So these are adaptations. I've taken, you know, I, I always loved Dylan's work, particularly that album. I find it so evocative, and, you know, he's such a storyteller, but I always felt like the songs of that album or even just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. and so these aren't just retellings of of Dylan's lyrics they're really inspired by and changed into different stories like um, the song Simple Twist of Fate is about a one night stand mm-hmm. I adapted that into a, a last night stand it is a couple whose relationship is falling apart and this is like their Hail Mary attempt at a romantic anniversary night to try to rekindle the flames and you can you can guess how that turns out. Sure, so. sure, yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you. <laughs> um, we have a segment on the show. It's called Questions from the Great Unwashed. <laughs> the hell actually sent you a question about me <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> you know. so these are uh questions for you submitted through social media okay they're a mixed bag you never know what you're going to get That's so fine i will present them to you i'm i pride myself on being fast on my feet so okay all right brain. then uh then you're in the right place okay <laughs> here we go um lemon squeegee 71 asks do you have any tattoos, and if so, what are they? Right here. I could take my shirt off. <laughs> it's, all right. it's all right. It's all right. This is PG. <laughs> okay, wow, this, this goes back. When I was in seventh grade, I got a new pair of glasses. I got my first wire-rimmed framed glasses. Okay. And my older brother took one look at me in them and said, you look like Indiana Jones when he's... Dr. Jones, professor of archaeology, I'm going to start calling you Doc. So I've had the nickname Doc just in my closest family and friends <laughs> since I was 13. Okay. Um, and then, fast forward a few years later, Tombstone came out, and I just fell in love with the Doc Holiday character. So uh-huh. it's like, oh, wow, let's pour gasoline on this whole fire. <laughs> um, so, I, so even though I am far from anything in the medical field, I have a caduceus. The two sep- uh-huh. uh, serpents uh, wrapped around the winged scepter, uh-huh. and I put an ace of hearts in one snake's mouth and an ace of spades in the other for a little yin yang effect. Neat. And I got this in a tattoo parlor that I have to assume has been long closed because this man was actually renting space in a in a beauty salon. So I was sitting there getting inked, and across the room, you had blue haired women under the hair dryers. Um, it is so bad. From an actual tattoo artist standpoint, it is so bad. That the, um, it is, it's completely, the, the snakes ain't green anymore. The heart ain't red. The color is completely faded. I should really find an actual artist to touch it up. But now the fact that it's like such bad quality to me, it's part of the charm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Doc. Um, <laughs> Yvette from Maine asks, what's your all-time favorite short story and why? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Um, one that comes to mind is The Undefeated by Ernest Hemingway. One of his ones about a, a bullfighter. Hmm. Um, because now looking back, it plays into exactly what we were talking about of my life philosophy. It's about an old bullfighter who just can't do it anymore, but won't 
give up because it's not what he does. It's who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and he he barely makes it through his, his last his last bullfight, but he, he does. And so it's it's about um perseverance and, and about self identity and that always really uh, really spoke to me. Nice. I mean there um I mean, lots of O. Henry stories are up on that list, like, you know, Gift of the Magi. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Uh, Strange Occurrence at Owl Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Lottery, but that's like a given. You can't you can't be a writer and not like Shirley Jackson. Right, so right, exactly. Just, right. Um, but as, as far as um, kind of... Oh, uh, as as, uh, Good Man is Hard to Find, Flannery O'Connor. Okay. Oh, which opens up a whole nother one. Um, the, uh, a Worn Path, Eudora Welty. Oh, okay. I love the work of Eudora Welty. Um, Why I Live at the P.O. may be the funniest thing ever written in the history of written communication. Okay, okay. So there's more than one. All right, all right. That's a good selection for, for Yvette from Maine. Uh, Conkiller007 asks, how do you deal with writer's block? I go for a run. Oh, that's right. Yes, we already discussed I, that. I, yes. I, yep. I got that one. Um, I go for a run. Um, I will force myself to take a night off and often imbibe a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, change location. I just had a great, productive night writing for the first time ever, sitting outside on my front porch late at night. In the and it was one of those beautiful warm summer nights and it was like past midnight and I'm blocked. I was like, okay, well now with the wonder of technology, I just migrated over to my iPad and brought out my little wireless keyboard and poured myself a cocktail and sat out there in the night and just was and the next thing I knew, like two hours and twelve hundred words later it had been a productive evening. Wow. So nice. Okay. All right. A little change of scenery. It's yeah. always good. Okay. Uh, Tony from New Jersey asks, what's the weirdest interaction you've ever had with a fan? (laughs) The weirdest interaction I've ever had with a fan. Um, See, this is tough because, frankly, my fans are also my friends. Ah. And um, if quickly, if you started as one, you became the other and and vice versa. Um, I, I had recent experience on Facebook uh, a woman who uh, is coming to Nikon this year and came to Nikon last year mentioned on Facebook well the only people I've ever fangirled out in front of were it was some name I didn't recognize and Matt Bechtel and I had to respond to her I was like that was fangirling I missed it what (laughs) what, what about that was fangirling I I, 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 I don't feel like that that was it I'm a little bit disappointed So that's that's the weirdest. Um, I I'd have to. I in all honesty, I think you need to go ask my my friends and my fans the other way around. Ask them what's the, your weirdest interaction with Matt Beck. Okay, they'll all have right. much better stories about that. Most of them will involve me walking around in just my underwear and alcohol. Okay, so, okay, yeah. Let's move on very quickly. Okay, um, sure. Paula from Oregon uh, asks, "What was the best money you ever spent as a writer?" best money I ever spent as a writer was going to Nikon and um, that's you know shameless plug I'm I'm biased but I'm not wrong Nikon is the greatest writers convention of all writers conventions get that out of the way okay. but going to cons is 
the best investment a writer can make. Hmm. The the people you meet, the encouragement you get. You come home from a con and you're on the jazz. You spend three days around writers talking about writing. Mm-hmm. I defy you not to come back <laughs> and want to get back to your own work. But like, I, I wouldn't have a writing career if not for Nikon. But I had, you know, really. Um, I was on a couple panels at StokerCon this year, mm-hmm. and one of them was actually about short story collections, and uh, a young woman in the audience asked the question, you know, I'm, I'm here, and I'm kind of trying to put together my first short story collection and, and, and hope to find a publisher, but... You know, how how do I go about doing that? Do I just, you know, walk up to someone and strike up a conversation and mention that I'm a writer and putting this together? And I went to the entire panel and said, I got this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but those type of interactions happen. Uh-huh. You know, don't go stalk the guest of honor. That's bad form. Yeah. But, you know, you will. And, and this is what makes Nikon the greatest. Christopher Golden said, Nikon's the one con. There's absolutely no table between the author and the fan. You are just interacting all as equals. And so you can really have that exchange of, of ideas and, and, and help and guidance just in a really natural, organic way. Nice. Um, yeah, so the the best investment you can make as a writer is go have fun with other writers mm. and and let the business just sort of happen. Makes but sense. Join the community. Gotcha. Partake. Play in the reindeer games. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well said. Uh, and this is the final question that I ask all of the authors who appear on Tell Me About Your Damn Book. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's a hundred years in the future. Uh, a young person goes into a library, uh, approaches the librarian, and wants to know about Matt Bechtel. What does the librarian say to that young person about Matt Bechtel? You see, you, you sent me uh, uh, an episode so I could see before you know I got here uh, what what this experience would be like. And so I've had the better part of a week to try to figure out my answer to this question. I still don't exactly have it. <laughs> okay. Um, because the, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because the things that would be most important to me aren't things a librarian would know. Ah. You know, because they're, they're pieces of my personal life that I tend to keep more private. Um, but sticking strictly from the librarian aspect, that she doesn't know me from Adam, you know, and none of her, you know, you know, ancestors knew me either. And they got no personal stories about who who Matt Bechtel is, just as far as Matt Bechtel the writer goes. What I ho- really hope um, she would say is when he really put himself out there, when he just turned himself inside out and opened a vein all over a page. Um, damn it was he good he, he really when he was willing to really risk um, exposing the deepest parts of himself uh, he he reached and spoke to other people wow I can't think of a better thing that the librarian could possibly say can you like leave that in a time capsule then for <laughs> yeah sure yeah absolutely yes yes I will I, I will arrange that don't worry okay. <laughs> I have some connections sure <laughs> I know one librarian. I got one library cover, maybe. There you go. That'll work. No, no wait, I know more than one. There are a couple of librarians at Nikon. I know three. Very good. Very good. 
Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'd like to thank my guest, Matt Bechtel. Uh, this, the book is Monochrome and Other Stories. It's available on Amazon. On Amazon and at HaverillHouse.com. Excellent, at HaverillHouse.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm out. You're not drinking without me. Okay. All right. <laughs> there we go. And cheers. <laughs>